Yo, what is up? Welcome back to episode three of the Rack Chat Podcast. This is Ryan, your host. I am joined with two incredible uh, guys that helped me co-host this amazing blessing that we get to call Rack Chat and uh, be able to get out to the hunting world and share some stories, which we have a good one today to share uh, and also get to spread the message of God to people that, you know, might not get the ability to hear that message and hear how great God is. Uh, but let's jump right into that. Um, I'm joined by Mr. Travis Davis. How are you, bud? I'm good. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm well, still on cloud nine, but you're still, you're dealing with, uh, broken bones. Yeah. Yeah. I, I broke my foot. I've realized that, uh, the, in the ripe age of 29, that I am not quite the young spry athletic or athlete that I once was. Well, man, I'll tell you, you should have checked before you went and played soccer with a bunch of kids. If mercury was in the microwave, <laughs> I don't know if it is or not, but if, if it is, then that's what I'm blaming this broken bone on, man. <laughs> it's, it's bad when you're playing soccer with uh, a few six and seven year olds and, they uh, trip up in front of you and you jump to not step on them and you end up with a broken foot and uh, limping around on crutches. So my time in a deer stand will be limited this year. We'll do some ground blind hunts, I suppose. There you go. Well, I think it has social media has a little bit to do with that with the whole videos coming out with like youth football and the kid gets to go head up with the parent oh, and yeah. stuff like that. So oh. nowadays it's, it's becoming more of like parents versus kids, baseball game and parent versus kids, soccer game and, and then the kids don't realize, uh, yeah, we don't we we don't really got it in us anymore to be running around on a field for three hours. The amount of uh, "Hey, you're old now" or "You're too old to do that" comments I got just made me <laughs> want to like just just deal with it and strap some cleats on and go out there and play again. But uh, no, it, it it hurt a little bit. I think your foot fairy days are over, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, there's Mr. Travis. He's here with us every week, and. Mr. Steve is on with us again. How are you? Doing well, fellas. How we doing? Good, man. I'm amazing. I'm amazing. I'm so, happy what... to report because this is uh, two shows in a row with you guys that I'm not recovering from something else. There we go. There we go. Hey. Amen. God is good, right? He is. Hey, last week you said you wanted to give a shout out, but it never ended up happening. So you want to give that shout out now? Yeah, I give a shout out to my uh, Lindenwood University archery team. So uh, we're in our third year of having a program, and we just finished fifth at the Collegiate National Championships. That was a 3D National Championships. So pretty excited about that, and kids are all working hard. And now we're working on the indoor season, uh, shooting a bunch of spots, getting ready for the Vegas shoot. There we go. That's awesome. Well, y'all keep up the hard work and bring home some hardware this year. That'd be awesome. Um, I know my brother-in-law has two national championships in trap shooting from within woods. So I know how, I know how serious I'll take your shooting sports over there, archery and yep. shooting sports. And obviously you were the you know shooting coach for many a year. So I'm sure you've got a couple national championship rings around the house somewhere. I got a few laying around. So I just need one with archery. So that'll, that'll be exciting. So that'd be awesome. As long as you're not like Jason Kelsey, I don't know if y'all have watched that documentary, about him he's walking around the house going if i was a super bowl ring where would i be and it's not in his case and he can't find it 
<laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. One of the most prestigious things you can own, you can't find it. So you'll have that on those big jobs. You'll have that on those big jobs. So any news from either one of y'all this week? Anything new besides Travis breaking his foot? Any deer sightings? Anything on camera popping up? What 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 were we working with this week? Uh no. Not- now go ahead, Steve. I was like, we just had kind of lousy weather here where I'm at. It's been uh, about 43 degrees and raining for a little over 48 hours and not a lot of activity going on. But we have our youth hunt this weekend, so I still haven't heard any of the uh, numbers going on in the state of Missouri. But uh, there, I know there's been a couple good deer taken in other parts of the state where it wasn't raining. That's awesome. Trav, any news? Uh no, I, it was our youth hunt too. I've seen a few people kill some like little does and stuff. Their kids kill some does and stuff like that. Um, like I touched on briefly, a friend of mine bought a farm. We're all made a plan yesterday. Briefly, we're going to go camp out Friday night and hunt. It's opening day of muzzleloader, and they're giving me a hard time because I'm saying I'm taking my bow. And they're like, "Well, we'll just drive you in on the ranger and drop you out at your little ground blinds that you're not going to climb a tree." I'm like, "Hey, put me in there. I'll shoot something. Then you'll come drag it out for me." There you go. But, oh, well, I guess it's time to uh, break a new segment that's never been said on the Rack Chat podcast. We have meat in the freezer from this past weekend. I uh, am still on cloud nine. Got an opportunity that seems to be a rarity. Um, (laughs) It's funny. Should have probably done it. It wasn't illegal or nothing, but I, I shouldn't have probably done it because I was waiting for something bigger. But I doubled up a doe and a buck this past weekend. Um, if you're on the HuntWise app, that's what I'm on. It's kind of like a Facebook for hunting, but it also does the weather tracking and tells you what where your windage is coming from. And uh, it, it gives you a possibility chance of seeing a deer uh, and gives you the notifications and stuff. But uh, I posted on it. So if you're from the HuntWise app and you've seen my post, I said I was going to talk about it. Uh, welcome. I'm glad you're here. But, um, yeah, the story being, I was uh, I got in the stand around 530 in the morning, uh, popped my headphones in, turned on some Netflix, uh, fell asleep for a little while until the sun came up, did a little ranging, I was getting a little tired, man. I wasn't going to lie. I was like, I don't know how long I'm going to sit today. Well, I just so happened to look up, and I seen a rack about 60 yards away. I was like, huh. And I'm sitting there. I'm locked in with my uh, range finder because I couldn't get my binoculars out. So I got my range finder in my hand. I'm, I'm watching it. I'm looking at it. I'm like, wow, that thing, it's a little six-point, little Y with two brow tines. You know, that's a pretty nice little buck. He'll be big later. I'm not going to shoot him. Well, then I hear crunch, crunch, and I was like, what is this? And 20 yards in front of me was a doe that he was tailing. Uh, so she jumped over the creek, got in my shooting lane, 22 yards. I let the schwacker fly. Really absolutely doubted my shot because um, the way she turned, it was not like, oh, I've just been hit by something. It was more like, oh, something just fell out of a tree and spooked me. Um, so I was really doubting my shot. I was like, man, I think I used a red pin and I look and my 20 pin is green and I'm like, oh man, I overshot her. So, you know, made a couple text messages to the boys like, Hey, be ready. Uh, we might have to go track. And then I hopped down from my stand and I didn't take everything with me. 
just my bow. I went and found my arrow covered in blood. I was like, okay, it's covered in blood. Had a couple bubbles in it. So I'm thinking lung. Uh, actually sent Steve and Trav the picture. Steve had texted back and said it looked like a lung shot from the blood on the fletchings. And so I was like, okay, well, I got to get back up in the tree anyways because I got to go get my backpack and my bow hanger and all that. So I climbed back up into the tree and I'm uh, still sending out some text messages talking to buddies about, you know, what we're going to do. And I hear a crunch, crunch again about 15 minutes later. And the buck who had ran away from me with the doe had came back, circled back around and came right back into where I shot her. Um, and it was the little why with two brown tines. And I was like, man, you're little. And I've already said, I'm not going to take you. I'm going to let you grow. But you just punched your ticket by walking right back to the scene of the crime. So then again, let another schwacker fly. Uh, did not doubt that shot. That was, it was a, a great shot. Um, I took Steve's advice. Uh, I didn't worry about the exit or the entry, I worried about the exit. And both of my exits were, were great outside, you know, right through the, or behind the shoulder on the backside, cut both the hearts. I was like, oh, this is great shot. So I'm on cloud nine. I doubled up a buck and a doe. It's my first buck in probably seven, eight years. It's my first Pennsylvania buck. First time I ever doubled up. And, um, no, oh, man, we're, we're excited, ready to get yeah. it Euro mounted and put on the wall, you know, first so mount now, in the new house. Now you need one of those little sound boards so we can do the applause and like the yippee. Oh, and the crowd goes wild. Ha! <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Not many bow hunters ever get a chance to double up at all and have a, a, a doe and a buck, man. That's awesome. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm still ecstatic. It's out in the garage right now in a bucket. And I'm just like, I go out there and look at it just to look at it. I'm like, dude, you're so little, but still you brought so much excitement. And it, I think we cut every piece of meat we could off that thing. We were still up at 12 cutting up these deer. It was, it was hot too. It was like 60 it was probably about 55 when I got in the stand and it was probably pushing 63 when I let the arrow fly. So we were kind of on a time crunch cause it was going to get up to 80. And by the time we found her and found them, it was probably like 75. And I was like, Oh man, we got to get these cut up. So I didn't want to ruin, um, oh, by the way, shout out to Evan and Bobby and Jason and Jason's little boy Bryson for coming out and helping me locate my deer. I appreciate you guys. Uh, I didn't want to ruin Bobby and Evan's night hunt. So we decided to take it, put it in the garage and throw ice in the bodies and uh, let them go out hunt. But while we were there, we decided that we were going to go ahead and quarter them and, you know, cut everything off and then come back later that night after the night hunt, pull it all out of the cooler with ice and then, cut it all so i think we did a good job with that getting as much meat out out of it as possible i have to take actually meat to the processor tomorrow to get stuff made up from it but yeah we had a good day it was you know day filled of hunting uh hanging out with friends it was it was good we went out that night didn't see anything well we seen a doe but she was to the left of us in a brush thicket that she wasn't gonna choosing to get a cover so but yeah we had we had meat in the freezer 
I think this is the first time Rack Chat host has been able to say that on the podcast. So hopefully in the near future, we'll have more, you know, hey, dear down stories. So uh, how far did they go on you? And then how was the uh, tracking job? Was it exactly the blood trails? Oh, yeah. Um, so they both went about 50, 50 yards. Cool. Um, they So she took off and kind of ran, jumped back over the my side of the creek that I was on and ran like straight 50 yards right in front of me. Uh, when I got down out of the stand to go find my arrow, he caught me. He was standing in the middle of the creek bed and he caught me. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine, you know. I'm not going to be back in here for a while after, you know, taking her out anyway. So, you know, he'll get used to the farmer working and stuff. So I searched around. I wasn't looking for blood per se. I was just looking for my arrow. And then I found it, stuck it in the ground, and I got back up. And then he walked back in and I shot. And, dude, from my stand, 25 yards, I could just see nothing but bright red all over green bushes. And I was like, wow, this is like, he's going to be easy to track. So we get back to track and we were like, let's go. Well, like order of sequence. Let's, let's go find the doe first. And man, me and Evan and Bobby and Jason, it was just like blood, 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 blood. And I mean, I don't think we had to stop to actually like, look, it was just pointing it out while we were just kept walking. And, um, it's still kind of thick back there where you can kind of see the mowed down grass that she took out on her way out. So, I mean, we found her about 50 yards away and then we went back to the arrow since it was literally the same spot, both deer. Well, he took off more to the right and he stayed on the other side of the Creek, which I was happy about because then we're not crossing blood trails. So that was pretty cool. Um, now he was, I punched him. I went straight through her. My shot with him went straight through, but didn't come out. It got stuck up in there and it was poking out the other side. So for about probably 15 to 20 yards, it was, I mean, he was pouring. And then it, the last 30 yards, it was, we're, all right, we're having to get down close. We're finding the smallest little specks. And if you know anything about tracking, you look at a, a brown leaf in the fall and it's got a little bit of red on it and you're like, oh, that's blood. And then you grab it and it's like, oh, no, that's that's just the leaf. So you really got to be careful with what you're following. Um, and again, he he was a squirrely one. He kind of took some weird ways through some thick stuff. Kinda, I really think he kind of did like a circle around a tree because we kind of had blood going one way around a tree and then blood around the other way. So, um, but we ended up finding him about the same distance. And luckily, you know, I was able to pull the truck down to uh, be able to field dress them and throw them in the back of the truck. That way we, you know, we weren't dragging them through a soybean field for 400 yards. That would have been awful. Yeah. Congratulations, <clears throat> man. Good job. I appreciate it. So, yeah, man, I, uh, if anybody needs a recommendation for broadheads, I use a Schwacker two inch expandable and, and I've, I've shot one doe last year, was kind of worried about them. Didn't really think they were all the hype that they're lived up to. Cause I didn't find any blood, didn't find any deer. And I know I hit her, but, um, 
then after today, watch or after yesterday watching the arrow fly true with a schwacker and then seeing the, the penetration and cut that it made, I'm very, very proud to uh, give schwacker a plug. So schwacker, if you're listening, I'm not asking for any money. Just maybe if you want to send me some broadheads, that'd be great. <laughs> Free hat, uh, a pro team jersey. You know, I'm just kidding. Something, something. I mean, I mean, interview. Yeah, I'll do an interview. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Cam Haynes, if you're listening, you know, call me out. Uh, I mean, I'm no, not going to be doing no uh, David Groggins. Have your picture on the packages next year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and uh, who's who's the guy they're using now? Um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he's got his own signature broadhead. Um. Probably Levi Morgan. Levi Morgan, yep. Levi Morgan. Well, Levi Morgan's uh-huh. also a 16-time world champion. So, there you go. That helps. <laughs> I mean, you're – what are you? How many times world champion now? Um, 12. 12. Right? I am I am the the soybean field champion. There you go. So, I'm champion in my own world. <laughs> Levi Morgan, they got nothing on me. <laughs> nah. Um but all right, let's get into this first topic. I mean, we talked about how everybody's week went. I'm still on cloud nine. We're loving it. And I think we got a pretty good topic today. Uh, I heard a video, didn't watch it, just seen the title of it. And I was like, you know what? Maybe we should do something like that. So I, uh, I want to talk today about maybe 10 things that we should be avoiding. We're going to say 10, but it'll probably with Travis being on the show, probably be about 25. Um, sorry, Traff, had to throw you under the bus and back up on that one. Um, so <clears throat> who wants to start us off, Steve or Trav? I'll go ahead, Trav. You got the broken foot. I'll let you go first. All right. Yeah. Let the crypt go first. Um, I just had wrote down, like as we touched on beforehand, you know, like things not to do. Um, they're just simple little basic things. Like when you're going in, when you get there in the morning, don't slam the truck door. That's, you know, that's just, that's a basic one. You know, I think a lot of people don't even think about, but, you know, especially when you're taking kids, you know, if you're got your kid there, your kid's going to slam a truck door. I don't know what it is about a kid, but they shut a door, they want to slam it. Um, that was something I got taught at a real young age. Um, Those are the ones that you're, you slam the truck door and your dad reaches back behind and smacks you in the back of the head. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for sure. That, that's happened. You know, you, you don't know my dad that well, but I mean, that's a pretty accurate depiction. Uh, well, it's also kind of like uh, holding the flashlight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, your dad, that's the first tool you get to use is the flashlight. And if you ain't holding it right, you're getting a wrench upside the head or something. Yep. <laughs> um, and then I have, uh, let me pull my list back up here. You know, it's, it's about, you know, it's, it's about three pages long. We can, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, and I have, you know, like stepping on or stepping over things that you or don't step on things you could step over you know like that goes for little limbs or anything like that you know be you know know where you're walking if you can step over step over these things can hear they can hear well even in the middle of the night and if you think you're you know a ninja going through the wood chances are you're not you probably sound like a pack of buffaloes running through there you know (laughs) so so what you're saying is i should gallop through the woods like I have four legs and I'm another deer, right? Yeah. I mean, hey, it might work, you know, <laughs> strategy, you know, because I've never understood how you'll be in a stand and you'll hear something behind you and you can swear, swear it's like world record deer and you turn around and it's a squirrel. 
that weighs two pounds running through the woods. You're like, how does this happen? And then a massive buck walks through and barely cracks a limb. You're like, this, this is insanity. So have you guys ever tried the uh, walking like a squirrel? I've not. I didn't walking get... like a squirrel? So, so I've, I've had it a couple different times where I, I've, I saw a deer and I was trying to get closer to it while I was on the ground. And you get one of those days that, you know, leaves are crunchy and no wind blowing. But when you when you go to take a step, instead of just putting your foot down, just like barely touch the leaves and then shuffle it around like a squirrel digging in the, on the leaves looking for a nut or something and then finish your step. And then when you take your next step, do the same thing. So, you know, instead of just crunch, crunch as you're walking, you, you just, like I said, touching the leaves with your foot and then shuffle your foot around and it actually sound like a squirrel digging and then finish your step and deer don't even raise their head up and look at you. Wow. Hmm. I, I never... could do that right now with the way that I walk if I'm not using <laughs> dragging foot, you know. That's more of a clip-clop, though, right now for you. Yeah, Trav is going to be that guy that y'all caught riding around on ATVs on your hunting land. He's going to be, <laughs> he's going to be taking the the ranger all the way to the tree. Yeah, we'll, we'll throw some burlap over it, and you know, <laughs> be a comfortable blind. Yeah. So, so seriously, pay attention to how a squirrel sounds. You know, there'll be like you know a couple slower steps, and then a couple real fast ones. Do that. Like I said, and then shuffle your feet around like a squirrel digging, and you can actually move in on deer, and they won't even raise their head up and look because they think it's just a squirrel making noise. And this man awesome. wasn't like a world champion hunter over here. Yeah. Are you Are you Levi Morgan? Uh, I am not <laughs> Levi Morgan, but I do have 47 years in the deer woods, and Levi Morgan does not have that because he's only like 36 years old. <laughs> Boom. Boom, Levi Morgan. I'm just kidding. I don't know. You don't, don't start no hatred. No, Le- Levi is an awesome man. Awesome, awesome guy. I love him. You Trav, you got another one? Or is that all you got? Well, I'll just we'll just leave that on mine so I don't make a long list here and we'll go on to the rest of y'all's. <laughs> all right, Steve, what you got? Uh number one, uh, the same one that Steve always keeps going back to is just people just not being prepared. They don't have their equipment ready to go. They don't have themselves ready to go. They're not mentally prepared. And, you know, if your equipment's not ready and you're not ready, you're not setting yourself up for any success. That's number one on my list. I'm sure you guys being have never heard about being prepared, right? Yeah, being prepared is every uh, every bit of hunting. I mean, you're not going to go out. You're not going to go out to the woods without a, without your bow, are you? No, but yeah, I mean, so. you know how it goes. You know, you got this is the farm and got his four-wheel drive truck ready to go and he's got his expensive boat and got this and that and everything else and food plots and then they didn't even check their make sure their arrows are flying straight before they went out kind of thing so got to be prepared practice 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 so that's that's one of my big ones i'll always keep coming back to uh next big one i got is people to go out hunting and uh they're getting off the ground i'm not as, as in not in a ground blind but not wearing a safety harness so I also had 23 years of being a firefighter and paramedic, and I have seen what happens to people that do not wear a safety harness when they're out deer hunting. Easy, easy, easy way to save yourself a lot of headaches, heartaches, being paralyzed, even even death. So I think, uh, you know, we, we owe it to ourselves and our loved ones to take care of ourselves when we're out there. Yeah, you got to have a bunch of common sense. If if you know you're going to get off the ground pretty high, you need to be locked into the tree some way where you're not going to fall very far. I mean, I know it's not the fall that hurts. It's a sudden stop, but 
No, even if you're five or six feet, you know, I mean, you need to be you need to be strapped in. Uh, you know, if you're if you're off balance and you're only six feet off the ground, you're off balance. You can do a header or break your neck. Now you're in a wheelchair the rest of your life. So it's again, it's OSHA, a, it's something that's so preventable. OSHA says four feet. If the bottom of your feet are off the ground four feet, you need to be harnessed in. And four feet doesn't look like a lot. I mean, that's like standing on a desk. But yeah, I, I jumped like a foot and broke my foot. So. Well, not not to mention if you fall out, now you got you know broadheads on you and everything else, you know. So I mean, my God, you fall out and land on a broadhead, it, it just oh, that's so preventable. So be smart, take care of yourself, protect your loved ones. Don't don't let it where you know somebody's got to push you around in a wheelchair for the next thirty years, kind of thing. Mm. Something to think about, right? Very much so. Very much so. All right, Trav, what do you got? Yeah. Or, uh, Brian, what do you got? What do I got? Oh, okay, yeah, what do I got? Let's see here. Uh, now, I got two safety ones and then, like, a common knowledge one for, for hunters and new hunters especially. Um, but then also people that are also looking and like, oh, man, I, just, I haven't seen or killed a deer all year and, you know, or I haven't killed a deer in two years and I wonder why. Well, this is one of them. So uh, for a safety aspect to go along with, Steve here is uh, always know your way in and out of the woods. Know your way around the woods. Um, I come from a fire department that I volunteered with that had a part of the Appalachian Mountains that ran through. And I can't tell you how many times I've been walking through that woods to go out to do search and rescues or recoveries because people don't know their way in the woods. They don't understand trails. They don't understand um, you know, knowing where the sun rises and sets, they don't know a sense of direction. They start to panic, they run and they, they make, they dig themselves into a deeper hole. So one, know a way in and out. Um, and apps are a really good way to help you out with that. I know my HuntWise app, I can open my app up. I can click start a walking path if I'm going to a like public land and I really want to get deep into the public land. So start a walking path and it will walk me in and it'll guide me in. Uh, and then that way, whenever I come to get out, if, if it's nighttime, I can click start walking path and it'll tell me, Hey, you're on the right trail. Hey, you're off a little bit. You need to go back East a little ways or Hey, you need to start walking South a little ways. So I, I do like that aspect, but I mean, I really don't, hunt private or public land i hunt private land so i like to go out before season get a look at the land know where i'm at get landmarks made out i mean some people put ribbons out that way they can know i'm you know looking for my ribbon my knot points being the way i need to go um so know know your way of the way lay of the land also uh second one know when you do and don't have to wear orange yeah. that's a Big, 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 big thing. Because um, you would think, you know, oh, everybody's a knowledgeable hunter. And if you're not knowledgeable, you shouldn't be out there hunting. And you should know that if you don't know what you're shooting, you shouldn't shoot. Yeah, that's what you think. Um, but I've heard horror stories of people not wearing orange. And it was before shooting light. And they, the person in the tree on, on public land just pulled up, spotted it in the scope, and fired. 
one, he shot illegally before shooting light. Two, he didn't make sure what was walking in, make sure it was an animal. So it wasn't an ethical shot. Three, he has no idea what's behind whatever he's shooting. So, you know, there's a laundry list of things that could go wrong. But knowing when to wear your orange, and if you don't know, just wear it anyways. Just wear it. What do you got, Steve? So... I've, I've seen some people in the past that don't like to wear orange. So, so like, here's an example, like right now in the state of Missouri, this weekend, like I said, it's just a youth hunt you know, for rifle hunting. So even bow hunting, you have to wear orange. Some people don't like to wear orange because they think the deer can see them. Well, deer are colorblind. Deer do not see the same thing we see. So to a deer, what we see is bright orange color. To a deer, it's just a dull colored gray. So a deer cannot see orange. So never, ever, ever be afraid to put your orange on because you think a deer is going to see you because they can't. I actually, um, I 100% agree with that. But I actually, to I say that, Trav, I broke that, you know, what some people think. We talked about it before. We asked Steve about it. Oh, you've got to be camoed head to toe mm. when you go out into the tree stand. Nope. Today, well, yesterday, two deer, 15 minutes. I was wearing green boots, green pants, solid green pants, a black hoodie, my first light vest. So I had a little bit of camo on, but most of it was covered up by my binocular case. Yeah, the, yeah. The, color, two deer. the color that a deer can see the best is blue, shades of blue. But yeah. uh, like we, we talked last week also you know, about grandpa setting his red flannel shirt on the ground kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, deer don't see red, just like they don't see orange. It's not under a spectrum of things they can see. Go out blue jeans, they're going to see you. Mm -hmm. So um, going on for my third one, and we'll come back and touch on these a little bit, uh, a little bit more. Go over, you know, probably think of more as we're going. But uh, for the new hunters or people just not seeing deer, um, I didn't really pay attention to this for the longest time. And now that this year I have been, I've been seeing a lot more. And that's knowing how to play your wind and not overusing one stand. Uh, I used to be the guy that used to go into the woods and be like, oh, you know, I got this this one tree. It's easy, accessible. Um, you know, I got great shooting lanes. And I went to that tree every single weekend, every weekend. Uh, this year I went out, found different trees, different locations to play for different winds. And depending on what I've been seeing, where I need to sit this weekend, played the wind, wind was in my favor, uh, taking notes while I'm hunting, uh, say, seeing like, okay, they usually come from Northeast to Southwest. They're walking through this way. They're not staying in the thicket. They're kind of in the mode grass. So that kind of helped me out a little bit this weekend. So knowing your wins, knowing how to adjust your shot due to wins, um, knowing where your scent's going is one of the big thing. I mean, I, I'm also, I, I spray myself down with scent cover. Um, I don't take it as far as, you know, putting in a scent lock bag or anything. Whenever I get home, you know, I've got a little, tote that i take all my stuff off in the garage and throw it in the tote and shut the tote but um i spray scent cover before i go into the woods so i'm not really too big in the whole scent control department just because i don't know too much about it and i frankly need to learn a little bit more but uh 
I do know that where the wind's blowing is where my scent's going. And if I have the wind at my back blowing to me and I know that the deer are coming from that way, then I probably am not going to see anything that hunt. So, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I've got. I mean, let's keep going. I mean, we got some good topics to talk about. I mean, unless y'all want to sit and talk on, um, a little bit of these topics. I mean, I know I can go back and say for wearing orange in, in Pennsylvania from opening bow till opening of muzzle loader, you don't have to wear orange until muzzle loader opens. And then you have to wear hunt. You have to wear orange every single hunt for the rest. Just um, yeah. Um, but still, don't get me wrong. You know, there are people out there that will pull back a bow on not knowing what they're, you know, they just hear crunch, 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 hear you walk into the woods, and they could point it in your direction, draw back, and as soon as you step out in shooting lane, they target panic, and boom, there it goes. Well, I, yeah, and I know I've told this story on here before. I don't know if it was Steve was on or not, but, like, I went to a there's a church in town, Ryan knows it and everything, that used to do, like, wild game dinners every year. They'd have people come speak. They had this guy come speak. And his dad was killed on a hunting trip, and he was there. Like, his, the guy, he was somewhere else, and it was public land. His dad had set him in a spot, and he took off and literally sat down in front of a tree. And there was a guy in a stand that just seemed brown through, through a hole in a tree and shot and shot, his, shot the guy's dad in the head through the tree. And I don't think there was wearing R. I don't remember what the story, whole story with the R's or anything. This has been like 10, 11 years ago. And I heard this, but I was just like, holy cow. Could you imagine being, you know, 10, 11 years old going out with your dad and hearing everything happen and it being your dad, you know, that got killed in such a way? That's insane, man. Yeah. Um, just be visible. I mean, yeah. I know you can't walk through the woods yelling, hey, I'm here I am. I'm, I'm walking through. Well, that's. Uh, that's thing too with like if you're hunting public like i mean i guess it is good when things like to know like when you get there like if you're parking there and there's multiple trucks in the parking lot you, you probably need to be a little careful walking in there definitely have your i mean i would say i mean if you're hunting public and you're in somewhere that you're going to be walking through and there's multiple trucks in the parking lot or the parking area you may want to throw some orange on just to get your stand whether you're supposed to have it on during that time or not like just during archery that may help you do that, which I don't hunt a ton of public myself, but. I mean, I know there's that old running joke about hunting public that, oh, if you get in the stand early, early enough, you'll catch all the the guys that had to stop for a Hardy's biscuit and a cup of coffee <laughs> coming in late. They'll push all the deer to you. Yeah, well, that's probably the most dangerous time to be pulling anything back because you can and you will be charged with murder if you kill somebody out hunting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, cover yourself and watch out for other people. You know, it's. Man, there's a, there's a friend of my uncle who lived, she lived like right on the edge of a highway, a small highway in Cleveland or whatever. There's a huge, huge field, a set of woods, probably like 600 yards back at this. And we, there's people that hunted or whatever, but we were out there one day. She's like, hey, will y'all take a look at this, this little hole in the side of my siding? She's like, I think it went all the way through into the, we're like, what? And there's a hole in her side. And, and we went in there and started tearing the floor up and there was a round in there. Somebody had shot a deer, missed something and literally went across the highway and stuck in the side of her house into the flooring. And know your target. Know yeah. your target. 
you know, we're, we're talking about this, you know, also, you know, about where, you know, other people shooting at you or accidentally or, or whatever the situation is, but uh, it'd be interesting. I, I haven't looked it up, uh, but on hunting, uh, you know, how many people have been injured or killed hunting that somebody climbing yeah. over a fence with a loaded rifle and shooting himself, nope. somebody nope. walking through the woods with a loaded rifle, safety's off, tripping over a stick or a brush or whatever and falling down and shooting her buddy, um, taking guns in and out of the back of, you know, backseat of your truck and your your barrel's pointing right at your buddy's down the other side and, you know, you still got it loaded and manages so many things that, you know, are so yeah. preventable that people just have to be smart about it. Well, man, that's the thing. Like, I mean, we, this is more of a deer hunting thing. Everybody knows it's, it's like, I'm a big duck hunter. And you're, you're, you know, when yeah. you're duck hunting, isn't nine times out of 10, you're not solo hunting. You're with a group of guys right. and everything else. And I mean, if you're ever been around like guiding or anything else like that, and that's, I have respect for guides because you, every couple of days or every day, you've got a whole new group of people in there that you may not know. You may not know their, you know, experience level with firearms. You may not know, you know, how they've been taught and that's what people say like one of the worst things is you know the bad habits you've been taught with guns and man the amount of times you've been flagged or i've been flagged you know been ear holed in a blind you know someone shooting out like right beside you you know you're deaf for 10 minutes um and you know in the grand scheme of things like your safety is not more important than a bird a deer or anything you know um well, Trav, do you do you remember that story a couple of years ago? This happened in our, I think, in our hometown. I think it was on the Hawassi. Those kids went out duck hunting, mm. and a pack of ducks come in, and they started shooting on them. And I guess the uh, they were shooting towards another person on the other side of the creek or on the other side of the pond. And he got up and walked over there and shot those kids. And killed that them. was, well, there was something similar. There was a story that I was actually a part of the group we were with. And there was some guys that was way too close in the cattails. And we thought they were way further back and do the grace of God. They didn't get hurt. They did get like pretty much peppered in the head, but there's a difference when instead of getting peppered with a dove load and getting peppered with a three or three and a half inch BB, you know, um, but the story you're talking about is from real foot. And there was, I don't know. I've hunted that lake a lot. I like it out there. And I don't know. I've heard two different sides of stories. I've heard it was something that happened from like a little bit of a bullying situation going on and the old man shot. And then I've heard it was somebody shooting swings and, you know, I don't know which if you don't know what swings is, it's like when you're, you're out there, there's blinds like every few hundred yards. And if when you have birds working over yours, kind of the etiquette thing here is don't start calling and don't shoot, you know, or shoot the swings. Like if the birds are working over one group of guys, don't try to pull them away unless they get close to you, you know, and I, I, I don't know for sure which story is created, but either way, it's not worth it. It's not worth somebody losing their life over a bird, you know? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I've not really been much of a duck hunter. Mm -hmm. I've gone a couple times. I enjoy it. I'd like to get into it. Not as heavy as, you know, some people get into it, but... Uh, it will, as I've said before in the first episode on here, good duck hunt will run a, run a deer hunter's life because you'll, you'll just get obsessed with it, but, you know... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because I, I think you get into duck hunting, then you get into goose hunting, and then uh, it's, yeah. it's, and there's, there's more opportunity. I mean, which my area is not known for 
great waterfowl hunting. We get a couple decent years if it gets really cold above us and cold here and stuff. Um, but that's about it, man. We can kill some Canadian geese. There's quite a few in the area right now, and I've not even got a chance to go yet. We've got a, we're trying to line some stuff up for sure for opening weekend next month. But yeah, make sure your banking accounts are staying up. Do oh. what? So you better make sure your banking accounts line up. Well, yeah, yeah. Don't get me started. I can't do much right now on crutches, but. <laughs> So I'm about as hardcore of a deer hunter as you can find, but there is something special about sitting in a duck blind cooking breakfast you can't do in the yeah. deer man, you know? <laughs> I tell people, like, the way I try to describe it was, like, I, I, I deer hunt for a long time. One, I just kind of run out of places to go and just the busyness of life and everything. But, man, th- there's there's two – it's two different types of hunting. Like, when you're duck hunting, like, yeah, you're hunting, and there's, there's a love I have for watching, like, ducks – fall out of the sky or fall through some trees and stuff especially if you're the one calling them in and stuff like that but nine times out of ten you're out there with your buddies you're in a blind you're next to the trees whatever and when ducks aren't flying you're sitting there you know shooting the breeze cracking jokes on another somebody's either brought breakfast or you know a bunch of snacks or there's someone's cooking breakfast so it's a whole different type of hunting now deer hunting like you're doing it because you love it and you get the chance to be out in nature alone and yes, with duck hunting, you're still seeing, you know, God's creations come to life and everything, but it's a whole different experience, you know, and I've done plenty of solo hunts and it's still cool. It's still fun, but you know, I mean, it's, it's two different types of hunting completely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see those videos, like guys make these big, huge blinds that they, they mm-hmm. pull their boat up under and they We've climb done it. up and We've done got, it. they've got, you know, TV or something in there and, got you know stoves and uh, like what they they go like oh yeah then you come out here and you climb up this little ladder and you pop out into the blind (laughs) i'm like what and like i got a whole little clubhouse right there on the river what do you need a river house for yeah man there's guys like the blind we hunted at real foot and everything the last year i hunted out there man it it was not we had it was a floating blind they made out of some old pontoons and stuff and we had a boat shed you pulled the boat in there the boat was hid you went in there's the lower level where you can hang like jackets and stuff. There's the stove. There's a, like a flat or flat top grill there. And then you stepped up to like the shooting area, like where you sit and shot and everything else. I mean, it was a big deal. They had, they had a generator lights wired in the back. Of, I mean, it was, it, it, when you're, we're hunting like that and they, they used it to guide out of, you know, so it's, and when you're there, it's, you're paying for the experience and stuff too. So you're going to hunt till, you know, noon or later, you know, most of the time hunting till probably about one or two o'clock. So you're getting breakfast cooked and you're probably gonna get some kind of lunch and stuff cooked, which is part of what they're paying for. Now it's not the same as what I, you know, we do around here most of the time where you're going out, standing beside a tree or we're building little blinds and we've built some decent little floating blinds. We even built one one time with like a janky little boat hide where you just pulled the boat over there and there was some brush laid over and we threw a burlap, you know, over the side of it too to make sure it was covered. But Yeah, I mean second here. Uh yeah, I, I think that duck hunting would be cool. I think it's I think it's a pretty cool concept. But uh I mean, I, I just haven't really gotten into it much. I had a bunch of buddies that were into it. I'm just, I'm just huge into, I'm just more, bigger into deer hunting. I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't like two things that I don't like <laughs> being cold and being in cold water. So, so you, you, there's no point in you becoming a duck hunter because it never fails. You're going to get wet somehow, wet and muddy every time. Yep. 
Yeah, so I don't want to do that. That's why I'm like, hey, let me shimmy up this tree and freeze my butt off instead <laughs> of, hey, let me shimmy into this creek and freeze my butt off. So, same thing, um, different. Yep. So, so Trav, you was talking about uh, all the snacks while you're duck hunting, but uh, that's that's one thing I had on my list about uh, things that people really shouldn't do while they're deer hunting. Have a snack with you, but the guy sitting there on that calm morning, open up his little debbies. Man, that deer can hear yeah. you from 200 yards away. Yeah, if you're if you're bringing snacks into the deer, it's got to be something. You know, it's pretty quiet. You know, and my dad's one of those like old school like you eat before you go and we'll eat when we leave and you better not have to pee at any point in between there. So don't drink too much, you know, and my dad's one of those, like, I swear I watched him one morning. Like, I don't know if the man blinked for like four hours. I mean, he's just like, I know he didn't move. I'm like, how is this possible? And my like ADHD self over here, you know, having to move every 20 seconds and getting looks like, Hey, stop moving. But no, uh, which it is different duck hunting, of course, but yeah, I don't, I'm with you. You got to be quiet. And I've been victim of that. You know, you get to starving and dig through your blind and find a pack of crackers from three years ago. And you feel like you're going to starve to death and try to open it up as quietly as possible. You know, you, oh, I, man. I, you got to say, I've done it where you've got the little W's or whatever it is, you know, in that super yeah. noisy plastic wrapper they're in, open them yeah. up the time and put them in a Ziploc and then take them with you. Yeah. Or you could just, you know, double oh seven it zero, zero bucks. Zero dose, seven little dubby cakes. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love watching those videos. Those it's, funny, it's, become, yeah. it's becoming my favorite time of the year, and that's when little Debbie's Christmas tree cakes come out. I mean, <laughs> whew, I, that's my weakness. I mean, I don't. I think it's cute that they say a serving size on there because to me, a serving size is a box, a setting. You know, I mean. You're one of those that's going out and getting the uh, the Christmas tree cake ice cream. No, I've had that once. It's pretty good. But listen, uh, 2021, when there was like, you know, shortage of everything, Food City tried to tell me one night they couldn't sell me all of them. So they told me the limit was seven. So I went in on Sunday and bought seven. I went in on Monday and bought seven more boxes. And I went in on Tuesday and bought seven more boxes. And the next time I went in there, they told me limit two per customer. <laughs> I, the fact that you're putting in the effort to go get these little Debbie cakes. Dude, you know little Debbie lives in Udawal, right? <laughs> yeah, listen, and I know I've got look, I got the plug, man. I got some people that'll hook me up, you know. I mean, I get it, and people buy them for me for Christmas. You don't understand the love for little Debbie Christmas tree cakes I have. I took them when we had that hunting lease out in Arkansas. I mean, I took a bunch of boxes, but then I had like three boxes set aside, and somebody was touched. I was like, Don't you touch my little Debbies. I was like, Those are for me. There's boxes in the kitchen for you. This is a serious. I think you need an intervention, bro. I've, I've people tried. It is what it is. The first step is admitting it, and I've admitted it, and I don't think it's a problem. So, <laughs> all right. Well, well, Trav is addicted to little Debbie cakes, and yeah. me and Steve are going to be addicted to killing deer. <laughs> I mean, hey, don't everybody's got their addictions. So, Trav, I do got to ask, with your broken foot. Yes, sir. Are you finally going to use this as an excuse to say I can finally go hunting and not have to be working all the time? Yeah, because, see, 
everything slowed down. I've got literally, I've got like four jobs lined up, but they don't have to be done like ASAP. You know, they can be done within the next few weeks. And depending on what the orthopedic tells me tomorrow when I go and what, you know, boo or cast they put on my foot will depend on whether I can actually come into work at all. And as I told a guy the other day there, I'm like, if they tell me like, Hey, yeah, we'll see you back here in like four weeks, four to five weeks when your boots out, like I'm going to have nothing to do. So I will just go to the woods. And then if I kill something, you know, call in reinforcements to help me drag it out, or I'm going to be, you know, strapping ropes to the back of me and dragging them out with the crutches. And I don't know how well that's going to work, but you know, if worse comes to worse, we'll make it happen. Hmm. Well, I was, I was, busting on Trav the other night. I was like, man, you know, you, you, you co-host a hunting podcast and I don't think you've gone out hunting this season yet. And no, he was like, I know, man, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. Well, it, well, see, and that was what was bad as I planned to go last weekend. Something happened to get to go. It's, it's like something's happened every weekend. And then the spot that I've typically hunted, you know, I've talked about off air, don't have to get into it on here. So, and the two other spots have been one's brand new and, they're, we're just kind of figuring out everything. I mean, it's it's quite a bit of land, and we're trying to still figure out what needs to be done because it's not been hunted or managed at all in like seven or eight years. And, you know, and then the other spots just close to where I am. I know there's deer in there. It just hasn't had the chance to get up there and really hang a stand, which now I'm glad I haven't because it would just been hanging there till, you know, this foot's better. But. Well, anybody else got anything to add? I think we're... Yeah, I got a few on the list still. You got what? I still got a few from my list. Go Go ahead. ahead. uh, Travis is talking about putting stands up. So a lot of people have ladder stands. They leave all the time year-round, and they never get back out before season starts and double-check, make sure all their straps are good and everything's safe to climb into. Yeah, well, Steve, you're going to murder me on this topic, but I started... We've got one on the farm, you know, that I've lived on for a while. And I went out there right before season started, went to just check, see how it was, and got about two steps up, and the whole thing nearly come off the tree. So I ended up tightening everything up on it there, you know. But Chad, so I that, wish you could see Steve's face right now. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> murder me. Like I could I can feel it. Like I could feel the tension before it started. So that was before hunting season, correct? It was, yeah. It was like okay. So you were actually out checking your equipment to make yeah. sure it was safe to climb into. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good job, buddy. Good job. <laughs> you guys, not I, I am a safety freak. Like I said, I guess yeah. all those years being a paramedic and stuff, I've seen people get hurt about every way possible, and I've oh, found no, sure. other people's mistakes. So, mm. yeah, if it's preventable, go for it. You know. Yeah. Uh, here's here's I got one more, and I thought this one's kind of a good one. Um, People that go out and, you know, you're going to do a little grunting, a little rattling kind of thing. And I, I don't do it much. I mean, I have rattled in and grunted in some, a lot of bucks through the years. But you get some people sitting in the stand just like, just hit the grunt. You just, you know, every five minutes they're grunting on it, rattling. It seems like nonstop. And man you can overdo that big time you know if you're ever out in the woods and you actually hear bucks coming through the woods grunting it's usually i mean occasionally you'll you'll find that one buck that's being aggressive but that's rare um you'll hear a couple of grunts out of them usually but man you're not going to hear bucks just grunt real loud and real aggressive for 10 minutes straight and then wait two minutes to start doing it again um uh, 
Bucks fighting. You got guys that are rattling for 15 minutes straight. It seems like it might be a little bit of an over exaggeration, but man, I've heard some people just like just going at it. And I mean, all the buck fights I've actually got to witness. Uh, I saw one that went three or four minutes, and other than that, they usually last about 15, 20 seconds. That's about it. Have you guys ever got to hear or watch bucks do that? Well, huh? yeah, I've never, I've, go ahead. I've never seen it while I was in the stand or had. You know, it ever happened like on one of my cards or anything like that. Um, but I know what you're talking about because I was listening to your video the other day because I was wanting to start to get in a little bit more calling this year. Um, but this guy was telling me like every 30 minutes you need to let out like a medium grunt. Yep. And I'm like, I don't maybe. Um, but I mean, I grunted this that morning and it was probably about 20 minutes to, you know, the doe and buck walked in. But there's like a whole different side of grunting when you're grunting to get something to come in closer or you're just blind grunting or you're, you're bleeding or whatever, you know, there's a, you just, yeah. I mean, if you don't know really what you're doing, you don't have to be a world champion grunt caller to grunt call, but just know what you need to sound like at what time. Well, and then if you do hit the grunt tube and that buck is coming into you, don't keep grunting. He's already Mm -hmm. hit you. Why, why keep, and you know i mean same thing happens i'm you know turkey hunting you got guys you know that make their calls and turkey's coming into you and they keep calling like he's coming to you just be quiet get ready you know what i love though because this happened to me last year i was i was working a buck um he was i mean when i say chasing a doe he was in dead sprint and i hit him rap rap you know i was like he doed up stopped he couldn't find me and I hit him with that snort wheeze. Oh, yeah. I love that. Oh, boy. It's like calling his mama a bad name. Yep. <laughs> he started stomping. He was getting mad. And I was like, I'm having fun with this. Like, this is pretty cool. He had no idea where I was at. So then he started to get like a little, you know, get away from me and start like, okay, well, I can't find you. I'm going away. So I hit him with that snort wheeze again. Man, it is like you've seen his face turn red. He was so mad that I, I was watching a video on that too they say that is that is the biggest insult yep. to a buck they do not like when you snort wheeze because that is hey i'm here come find me we're gonna fight um because you're trying to take what's mine essentially mm-hmm. um and from what I understood from this video is like they they fight in a pecking order. Mm-hmm. Like the small ones, they say as soon as the velvet comes off, they start fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the small ones will fight and work their way up to the bigger ones. And the bigger ones, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they do it in a pecking order. That way they're just not always having a two inch, 200 inch deer fighting a 90 inch deer to see who's but like the deer already knows when he walks out in a field and sees that 200 inch deer, like, okay, he's the man in charge here. There's no sense to even trying to fight him. That's what I was getting from the video, how they fight in a pecking order. Oh, you'll see plenty of videos where you'll have some little like three point buck. that's just feeling spunky. He wants to take that looks like Boone and Crockett, you know, which it doesn't end well for him. For him, but you know, I mean, I've seen the videos where like bigger bucks will let the smaller bucks come in, like the Y bucks, and 
<clears throat> like rub up against them, and the bigger buck just keeps his head down, and the little buck's just going crazy, head button and racking, um, racking, putting just crashing rack and just making noise. But it was more like a whenever I look at it with my little soft heart, I'm like, oh, look at him, he's just letting him, you know, Let get some play. energy out. Yeah, they're just they're just playing. Like it looks like a play fight. And the bigger, the, you know, the, you know, the one seventy five bucks got his just got his head down, and he's really eating is what he's doing with the <laughs> little four points just sitting there going to town, just crack, 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 crack. But it was just like, oh, that's cute. But uh, well, that's about all I got. We can get in, keep talking about more stuff, but we've probably been going pretty pretty good time here tonight, haven't we? No, yeah, we've we've got a pretty good podcast going on. Um, I will announce that we are looking to go a little bit further than just um, just podcasting. Um, I'm into the whole filming thing. I didn't film my hunt this weekend. That's okay because I've got some guys up here that I'm wanting to film. Uh, I'm sure maybe we can get Trav some filming. Uh, so maybe you get Steve some film and I don't know. I'm not going to tell guys, Oh, you need to film your hunts. You need to film your hunts. Cause it's not about getting it on camera. It's about going out and harvesting food. But, um, I, you know, I did start a, another email. It's going to be rackchatpc at gmail.com. So if you have suggestions, you have film, you have whatever you want to send in, we are going to start up a YouTube and, hopefully work our way to doing more of like a zoom type meeting that way you can put faces with names uh see what we're talking about we all get to laugh and cut up and just talk to each other rather than just talking over the podcasting app um and then maybe who knows here in a you know year or so we're putting out t-shirts and hats and all that good stuff and growing because and this is where i'm going to kind of shift gears into getting into our uh our uh, religious talk about God, um, because when we're doing this, when, when we're on the podcast, it's great that we get to talk hunting. It's amazing. Um, but really at the end of the day, there's only one reason why we get to do this. Jesus Christ. That's the only reason we get to do what we enjoy doing. So if I can, put a t-shirt out or put a hat out and it have that cross on it. Like our, our, um, logo does. It says we're godly men and, and women come to talk hunting and it's got a deer with a cross on that's planting a seed. Um, people will ask you about your logo, ask about that logo. And then I tell them we're a Christian based podcast. Everything we do is for God. Plain and simple. Everything you do from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed is all for God. Um, do we make mistakes and do we fall back to, in sin? Absolutely. But he loves us enough to say, hey, guess what? I died for that. I died for that. Uh, today we talked at church about knowing your spiritual blind spots. And recognizing, and if you don't think you have blind spots, then that's a blind spot. Um, and checking your heart. And how do you get a new heart? There's nothing you can do externally in your life that will change your heart. 
other than dropping down, asking God for forgiveness, declaring he is the king, and you know that in your heart and you say it with your mouth that he sent his son to die and rise again for my sins. And still, even then, your heart won't be changed. Your old heart will be taken and you will be given a new heart. And that's where you start seeing things change in your life. Um, sin becomes a greater, uh, a bigger deal to you. Those things that you were doing in your life that you knew weren't right, it bugs you. It bothers you. Um, and then you run from it. And that's what God wants. He wants you to run from everything bad and run to him. That's what he wants. Um, so I'm going to give you the daily refresher, and then I'm going to let the other two battle it out to who's going to end this out in prayer. But it says, who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Shalom. Um, so sit and think about that, how you know God can come into your life. And he's a gentleman. He's not going to just bust the door in. He's going to knock. And he's going to say, hey, how you doing? Make I come sit and eat, eat with you today? Thanks. Okay. And he'll stay there. And then you have the opportunity to push him out. But he's not. He's going to always be there with you uh, for you to just open that door and invite him back in. So every day when you bow your head and pray, God, walk with me today. Be with me today. Guide me today. Uh, lead me from temptation and deliver me from uh uh, deliver me from evil that those are the things that you want to have on your side through throughout your day so you know uh, think about that who is the king of glory uh the lord of hosts and he is the king uh he is the king of glory that's uh psalms twenty four ten. so um anybody got anything to add to that no you hit you hit it good man uh, you got it all right man um yeah, God, God's not going to beat us over the head, but he is going to definitely be there at all times for us when we call out his name. And uh, But you also said it correctly that we have the choice. You know, God's given us free will and free choice. We can accept or we can push, and he's going to let us do whatever we want. But uh, when we accept, man, he's there for us. There's no doubt. I'm a living proof of that. You are. Every single day, man. I mean, there's there's crazy stories that you hear, um, you know, drug addicts finding God. You hear um, uh, just these astounding stories like watching, you know, Satanists turning to God. And, and it's just amazing how fast he works in your life um, just by sitting down saying, God, I'm sorry. And when you say, I'm sorry, and will you forgive me? The answer is not going to be no. It's never no. It's always yes. And just knowing that you have that acceptance and that forgiveness and stuff. Now, I'm not saying that you, you know, go need to go do the bad thing you just did and then run back to God and be like, oh, God loves me. God forgives me. That's the thing about forgiveness, you know. And then go back to doing what you were doing. No. I mean, yes, he will forgive you, but that's not what you need to do. If you want to follow God, you need to know this is what I'm doing that's bad. This is when I'm doing it. I don't need to do it anymore. So don't quit running back and saying, oh, he'll forgive me. He'll forgive me. 
you need to start pushing further when you get in the situation of that, that you're feeling tempted or whatever, bow your head and pray, get your, get through it and find other ways through whatever is tempting you to do the things that you were doing that you get a need forgiveness for. But um, yeah, that's my little preaching today. I kind of usually take what I got from church this morning and bring it out to you because I'm not a, you know, I didn't go to seminary. I'm not a preacher or anything. I'm I'm actually still kind of new to the Christian. Well, I've been a Christian my entire life. I just didn't follow. And uh, yeah, I mean, I have, I have a past of my own and that I don't have to deal with anymore because God bowed my head and prayed to God that, you know, he would take my, take over my life. And when you do that, things change. When you get dunked in the water and uh, die to the likeness of Christ and raised to walk with him in life again, it's completely different. I, it's a different feeling. It's, it's great. So um, I encourage you if, if this, if this takes your breath away, uh, great. Cause I'm not a pastor, but if it pushes you to go to church on Sunday or, you know, talk to someone about faith, reach out on the rack chat podcast, uh, rack chat PC, at gmail.com i'll i'll email back and forth with you about christ um i'll you know maybe we can set something up or we do a little discipleship throughout the week that'd be great but then again also know that i am not a preacher i don't think any of us here are preachers can we tell you stories of the bible absolutely can we help you get through things and be a listening ear absolutely but don't think for a second we know every single little detail about that Bible, but we can sit down and figure it out together. I'm sure. So everything so, you're talking about here, I mean, I've, I've got a Bible verse, uh, Philippians four six. I've been looking at quite a bit today. It's uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so I mean that first sentence right there: do not be anxious about anything. Uh, does anybody got any anxious thoughts going on about what's taking place in the world right now? I do know that it says in the Bible 365 times, do not fear. Yep. And there's a reason it says that. 365 times. If you can figure out what that number represents, good for you. But 365 times it says, do not fear. But yes, going along with your questions, everything that's going on in Israel and Gaza and Palestine and stuff right now, it's crazy because there's 2,500 year old prophecies in the Bible coming true right now. So, so, I mean, don't just, be anxious. just present your request to God. It says it right there in the Bible. So, so yeah, I mean, good, good stuff. No better, no better time to turn to God and ask him for forgiveness than today. So, but anyways, who's going to lead us out in prayer? I mean, I, Trav, you in? You got prayer? Yeah, I can do it. Sweet. All right. Everyone bow your heads, take your hats off. Uh, Dear Lord, we just want to come to you this evening and say thank you for giving us the opportunity to be here and have a good time talking hunting and fishing and all the good things that we do, Lord. And uh, But also to know that we're here for you and to glorify you and what we do like they've touched on here tonight. And uh, I pray anyone listening to this that's dealing with anything or questioning anything, Lord, will turn to you and you help them with what they have going on. And uh, I just want to say thank you, Lord. I ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, that's going to wrap up. Uh, I think this is episode three. I don't know. I don't keep count anymore, to be honest with you. But it's season two, episode three, as I get the confirmation from Steve. 
Um, thank you for letting me share my story of my hunt this weekend. Uh, thank you for giving us a listen. Um, tell your friends, uh, be a friend, tell a friend about your friends over here at Rack Chat Podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, if you have any questions, the email's on here. I'm going to put it in the bio or the information to this podcast. That way people can reach out and tell us stories, uh, give shout outs, whatever they want to do. If you're listening on Spotify, there is an interaction where you can, you know, type down what you thought about the show. So with all that being said, say goodnight, Trav. Goodnight, Trav. Say goodnight, Steve. Goodnight, Steve. We'll see y'all later.